Hey Blockheads, this is DM Mitch with the Dungeon Master's Block. This episode you're about to hear is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering you a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Today's audiobook recommendation is The Amulet of Samarkand by Jonathan Stroud, book one of the Bartimaeus Trilogy. The Amulet of Samarkand follows the adventures of Nathaniel, a young magician, and the trouble he gets into when he summons up a 5,000-year-old djinn named Bartimaeus. If you like the first book, continue on and look at the books The Ring of Solomon and Ptolemy's Gate. Go to audibletrial.com slash dmb today for your free audiobook and trial. Once again, help support us at the block by going to audibletrial.com slash dmb for a free audiobook. Thank you. And now, here's the show. Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm Dungeon Master John. And today we are returning to our Bringing the Magic of Magic to D&D series. And as, of course, we always do, we have a special but returning, as always, guest. Hashtag Magic Mark will be joining us on the meet. But before we jump into the meet, we've got a five-star review. This five-star review is entitled, The Worst Part of This Podcast Is... (laughs) by the Aspie DM. I have now listened to every episode, so instead of being able to binge on hours of inspiration and insight for my D&D campaign, I have to wait for days to get my fix of the gym or the meat. All kidding aside, I really enjoy this podcast. Most D&D casts I've come across are edition-specific and or actual play, which I'm not really a fan of. The Dungeon Master's block, however, is pure inspiration. I DM and sometimes play in a D&D 3.75 slash 5th-ish homebrew world, so finding a DMing resource that fit my needs is a rare treat. As a dungeon master who suffers from Asperger's, I have found your episodes regarding the soft problems of DMing very helpful. It has helped me to be able to step out from behind the DM screen and back off on the rules lawyering a bit. Maybe sometime I'll get the courage to try some NPC voices. Probably not. (laughs) DMV... Please keep up the good work and keep on dungeon mastering. Again, thank you. Justin Tremlin, the Aspie DM. Oh, thank you so much, Justin, or the Aspie DM. We appreciate that review. That is what you want to hear, John, when you hear uh, what the worst part of your podcast is. The worst part of the podcast is that he has listened to every episode. Yep. Now. But <laughs> I guess that just means that you can go back and listen to them all over again, like so many people tell us they do. Or listen to this new podcast right now, because if you're listening for the first time, this is a new episode. Oh, yeah. But without any further ado, let's head to the meet. I'm starving. 
We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? The plate meat's back on the menu, boys. So for the meat today, as we had discussed, we have hashtag Magic Mark here with us again. Hey, everybody. And as we always do when hashtag Magic Mark, maybe not always, but a lot of times when he is here with us at the digital table, although he is really at my table, <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about Magic the Gathering and bring the inspiration from Magic the Gathering, the lore, into Dungeons & Dragons. So today we're going to do something that we haven't done before with Magic the Gathering cards. Today, each one of us has chosen three enchantment cards, and we are going to turn them into a plot idea for a campaign. This is honestly kind of just like a creation and inspiration episode, except with Magic the Gathering enchantment cards. So people love uh, the creation and inspiration. Hopefully they love this kind of mashup of the two. So, Mark, you're here as our guest, so why don't you go first with one of your enchantment cards? All right, up first, I have a card called Consulate Crackdown. It's a recent, it's a new card. It's a white card that says, when Consulate Crackdown enters the battlefield, exile all artifacts your opponent controls until Consulate Crackdown leaves the battlefield. My favorite thing is the flavor text on this card. The workshops are silent. Our creations have been seized. They have killed what made us alive. The cool thing about this card is I think of a setting and a world where you start out in a city where all magical items are seized by the government and not allowed to be used. Mm. And so the initial quest can be, how do we bring magic and magical items into this world um, and let people know that they're good? And, the, you know, it's kind of got this working against the government, but not necessarily like trying to kill all the city guards and things like that. So it could be good, a good campaign that you're also working against the, the man, so to speak. So it's a good chaotic, good <laughs> uh, setting <laughs> to be uh, using items and materials that if you can even have it be seen like on your belt, some dude will just be like, walk up and take it. So it's got that kind of sensitivity and secrecy. It'd be a good espionage campaign. I like that idea. It reminds me a lot of the Arthurian legends before King Arthur became king with his father Uther just despising magic. And if you had the ability to cast magic, they you would be hunted down. And I feel like that's like a great, not only like could be the premise of an entire campaign, but mm -hmm. sets a lot of lore in your world for perhaps an empire that does this, that just goes around. It's like, if it's magic, we collect it. We take it up. It's illegal to own it. It's illegal to cast magic. I wonder, like, does that place that is like that, do they have, like, mage hunters? And I yeah. also wonder, when the magic items are collected, are they just stored away, or do they make an exception to say, you can use these magic items if it's to hunt down people who are hoarding other magic items or who are casting other spells. Yeah, and even in the spell itself, it only exiles your opponent's artifacts. Ooh. So I imagine putting this like in my own artifact deck and just like, I can use them all, sure, but you cannot. <laughs> and maybe all the guards have like super magical things. Maybe they're all like multi-classing and wizard and things like that. But anybody else who's not the government can't use magic. So there could be like a double standard there as well. I've been looking at the art at, of this uh, card for a couple minutes now and 
just the art itself reminds me like in most D&D campaigns I don't think of a world usually this advanced and this like beautiful architecturally like buildings you couldn't even build today they just look crazy so like <laughs> you can see like magic used to be used in this world and maybe the buildings still reflect that but now everything's been removed there's like an army of all these guards out in the front so even just from this art you could create like a whole city in this world where this hap- this is happening the art definitely has like this totalitarian looking army where it's like a bunch of dudes with flags that it's very oh, uh, yeah. totalitarian a little bit nazi-ish but that's <laughs> only because that's what you think of when you when you, when you hear totalitarian like that yeah yeah all the, all the dudes lined up but it definitely is not unique to that well <laughs> that i even time. think of kind of just riffing off of what you said mark about it doesn't exile your artifacts it only exiles your opponent's artifacts what if this isn't even to switch it up what if it isn't like a we are afraid of magical artifacts we're afraid of magic but no 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 we're afraid of it if we don't have it yeah we the whatever empire this is we want to control all of it and so our goal is to take it from whoever else has magical artifacts other countries and put it into our own hands so that we are the only one that controls the magical artifacts those who control magic control power oh i like that a lot and in the flavor text it brings up that the person who's quoting this used to do this stuff he Mm -hmm. used to have this so this is a recent change think of like halfway through a campaign all of a sudden like you even your players can instigate like a regime change and then all of a sudden there's this massive cultural shift in the area where you play think of those characters who have the awesome magical items and then suddenly they they help create this regime change and then this dude kind of pulls a a two-facey kind of moment and then as soon as he's in charge is like actually i'm gonna need that sword that you use to help me get into power and i'm gonna need that wand and also you you just i'm gonna have to put a a guard over your mouth so you can't cast any spells (laughs) and all of a sudden your party has this this character that goes from like a good guy that they've been helping to like the absolute worst dude Mm. and becomes like an antagonist all right john it's time for your first enchantment plot Okay, so my first card is actually probably one of my favorite enchantments to use in Magic. It's called Luminarch Ascension. And basically, it's this enchantment that when it comes into play, if you don't lose any life this turn, you put a little quest counter on it. And then once you have four quest counters on it, you just every turn start summoning these angels to come fight for you. And like the art is like... uh, Looks like a priest or somebody with a halo on them in the background. And it's like all crazy white light coming from behind him. And there's these angels that are appearing. So what I was thinking for a plot for this, if you were going to do it like a one shot, then you could be uh, like a world where everything is been like taken over by darkness, by demons and vampires and stuff. And you're in some old broken down citadel. And like there's somebody there that's trying to bring light and goodness back into this world and you have to defend either these people in a circle trying to summon these angels or one guy who's casting a spell like for so long that eventually you get this army of angels to come help you like fight back against the darkness so i i guess that wouldn't even have to be a one shot if like it goes from there like taking back this world with these angels and stuff and my other one was it says in here that You need four quest counters and like you have to prevent yourself from taking damage. But what if you 
use this as you had to go to these four different spots in the world and like restore something so that eventually angels could come back into this world and help fight off the evil creatures that have taken over. I like that idea, uh, especially with the going to four different places in the world. Literal quest counters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Kind of from what you discussed, John, I see, looking at this image, I see that that cleric as being like one of your players. If not, you just center a whole campaign around four clerics that have been given this. Maybe four clerics, if you have four players, each of which having one of those quote-unquote quest counters, those places that they need to go to let the angels of their gods into the world. Maybe it's they're opening a portal and the only place that they can open it at is at that specific place with a specific item, a rod, or something like that, and that will let angels back into the world because some evil force is holding them back to be able to save the world from whatever evil forces are attacking it. Yeah, I also really liked the the idea of like defend this guy for a certain amount of time. It's almost like D&D horde mode <laughs> where it's like you get waves of increasingly difficult baddies coming at you. And that could easily be a one shot or like a you got this one guy who's been missing and you know he's going to be gone for a certain number of weeks. Hey, let's do this little alternative story for a little bit. Or he can be the dude who's casting the spell and you kind of get these waves splashing against and you could even have like a sub game of like creating defenses and in between waves you can kind of come up with, okay, I'm going to build a barrier over here. I imagine it taking place like on a cathedral and the guy who's casting the spells at the pulpit summoning the angels and you have to defend, you know, all the doors and the windows and eventually maybe like flying gargoyles are coming in through the <laughs> ceiling and, you know, it just ramps up the difficulty of the campaign. But you never leave the one room, and that would be a kind of a cool set. Well, I wonder if you could even make it so that all the battles that you do in this campaign are not battles that you could actually defeat for reasons of, like, the forces that you're fighting are too strong for you, but like you said, it's a... You can make it into, a, like, a timed encounter. Yep. You need to defend this place this area for this many turns. You need to stay alive for this many turns. And my thinking behind that is, what if demons are wrecking havoc on the mortal plane on the in the world, but angels cannot pinpoint the location of demons because demons are, in essence, completely pure evil and angels being holy beings, maybe they can't even see where demons are from like their heavenly realm. But what angels can see is your PCs, the clerics. And so your PCs are like going around trying to find these demons and then trying to like hold back the forces of darkness for a number of rounds that it takes for the angels to respond and get there and kick the butts of the demons. You're the fantasy version of the guys holding the laser targeter for the missile. Yes. <laughs> You could be going around to every different city and like saving it like one at a time, like the whole campaign. Just like, all right, we got to go to Ereboros over here and then we got to go back to <laughs> yeah. the city of Shim. Yes, yes. Yeah, and the, the and demons that can't be found, they actually have that skull item from the last magic item. Oh, yes, yeah. I forgot about so, that. So while your party's 
doing like short-term things yeah Yeah. that's good i forgot about you get the short-term party like dealing with the problem right here and now but the long-term campaign could be finding that skull and destroying it that's fantastic yes a lot of tie-ins okay my first enchantment plot card i cheated a little bit guys because mine is a legendary enchantment artifact it is the (laughs) bident of thassa so this is a from the theros block of magic cards it is a weapon of the gods so it also counted as an enchantment but i got really inspired off of the art from this card specifically this is the one that i'm looking at is the promo art uh, and so it has the bident of this god of the sea just planted into the middle of the ocean and so my idea for this is that you have a campaign centered around the god of the sea for whatever reason has planted his his bident his legendary weapon into the ocean and this could go a number of ways it could be planted there to block important passageways or a passageway that like ships would go to trade or to go to war with each other it could be cutting off the flow of water from the plane of water perhaps that is how the oceans of your world actually stay filled up and without the flow of the water from the plane of water your oceans will eventually dry up Or it could also, I thought, be planted and it causes a terrible maelstrom around that Biden. And so the whole campaign would be set in, we need to figure out how to remove this Biden to be able to restore the world, the seas, to what they used to be. Yeah, I think uh, it's really cool to kind of imagine this like huge weapon just planted in the middle of the ocean. And you're like, how can it be planted in the ocean? Like... You'd stick stuff in the ground and that would work, but you can't really, if you pull stuff out of water, it's no big deal. But I imagine almost like a sword in the stone level of like, I can't get it out. Even if you get close enough to it, he, he who is worthy is the only one who can draw the the Biden from the sea. I like that idea. I wasn't even thinking about that. Like, is it is it planted in the bottom, the surface, like underneath or is it just floating in the water but it's like a uh, it's like a giant immovable rod from yeah. D that it literally will not move yeah and you can like swim underneath it and you can see it's like six inches in yep. the water but you still can't get it out <laughs> when you're thinking of it is it like a thousand feet tall or is it like like somebody could get their hand around it and pull it out like the sword in the stone type of thing that's the question right i think mark was thinking about it as a a pc could yeah if they could pull it out wield it I was thinking of it as a like Huge Empire tower. State Building ta- yeah. tower so tall. But that's the beauty of being inspired by these kind of things is that for you guys, the listeners, if you want to do something like this, it's either or. You could have yeah. it be whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You could also use this item as like a, you could use multiple of them as like corners of a Bermuda Triangle type place in your seas of like yes. uh each there's three of them and like you could even have like a three-headed god of the sea doesn't yeah. matter what or, it is or, it's your world the sons and daughters of the god of the sea exactly or maybe there's just multiple gods of the sea yeah yeah or so and each of those things are planted in a spot and within that shape be it a triangle or a quadrilateral it's your world you can make <laughs> it what you want you can have like this crazy place where Ships go in and they never leave. Never. And and you could even like change like the shape of it by removing one and getting, you know, this dynamic of our quest is to make sure that our 
people can safely transit through this space. But maybe you want to cut off your enemies at the same time. So if you move one from one spot to the next and suddenly the chaos has shifted to a different part of the sea and there's a lot of cool things you could use by implementing multiple. What if there's one of these at the center of every every maelstrom in the sea? Hmm. And you could just like, every time there's a crazy storm, there's some adventure boat that's like, we're going to go harness the power of this storm this time. We're going out there through the middle of this to get to the middle and get this trident. Well, it would be interesting, too, if this was just part of the world that was just, this is normal. Like, gods will do this kind of thing. It's not like a, oh, the gods must be angry. Look, a giant Biden just was placed. But no, 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 no. Like, oh, you don't know about the Biden that blocks the passageway? Like, that's been there for thousands of years. Like, the gods, you know, it might change. It might be there one day. It might not. Like, the gods just do what, as they please, and they cut off those passageways sometimes. They drop them to create storms sometimes. It's just a normal thing. It's not, like, normal as in, like, ah, it doesn't hurt us, but it's not something that they're like, I can't believe this is going on. Oh, yes, the Trident of Tuesdays. Yeah. Like, I can imagine, like, every time we see, like, dark clouds over the horizon, you know, there's a storm brewing. What if every time you before you see dark clouds, you just see, like, this giant spear come out of the sky and yes. land somewhere? Or it, like, just turns. The spear turns into the yeah. lightning bolt. Like, you can see it changing before your eyes. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, like, the vanguard of every mm-hmm. storm is like, oh, man, there's a storm coming. You can tell a spear fell from the sky. Yes. And then so, like... You are out on a ship in a in an ocean campaign, and you're sailing, and skies are blue. It's great, and then all of a sudden, a Biden arises right in front yeah. of you out of the ocean. And you're like, "Storms are coming!" <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's a giant storm. Like this is a cool bit of lore for world. Anyway, we're moving on. So, Mark, what is your second? enchantment plot idea this is a hilariously convenient segue because my next enchantment is titled harness the storm (laughs) i think john literally said that a few (laughs) moments ago the art is really what caught me here because it's like some people on a rooftop and they clearly got like a huge thing that's like absorbing lightning bolts and it's whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand you may cast target card with the same name as the spell from your graveyard so you get to use a spell twice and i love the flavor text this is what was pulling my attention today was flavor text there is no place like a rooftop laboratory in a lightning storm it's where genius strikes (laughs) i saw the art for this and was like this is your classic moon base laser beam pointed at the world in a fantasy setting. So you get like this, maybe there's this laboratory at the top of a tower and there's an evil wizard who's like, I'm going to zap all of the people everywhere with this thing. Every time there's a storm, come and stop me. And then you have to you know, fight your way up the tower. You could even do the whole dungeon crawl up the tower all the way up. And then once you get there, you get this big, awesome battle with a giant lightning gun. Or it can be somebody who's catching spears that fall from the sky and directing yes. the storm to where they want it to be to double up on oh, things. Oh, man, I'm just going to work right off of what you just said that with there. We're going to tie it right back into the previous discussion. What if this is a wizard who has figured out a way to steal the weapon of a god, which yeah. is that spear of lightning and maybe it like, okay, so we have this image from this uh, picture of Harness the Storm, and he's 
in in this as we've discussed he would then be stealing the spear of the god of lightning and thunder or something along those lines so maybe he opens up this container that we see and inside is the spear now to be used by this mortal uh he will now wield the power of a god but what if he has more than one of these devices and he is planning on going around and stealing the weapons of the god not only disrupting the natural order of the world but also becoming a tyrant in the meantime that sounds like a big bad oh yeah npc at the end of a campaign to have to go after and destroy i also when i read this card i'm thinking of it like what if it's just some guy that has this machine that every time somebody uses magic it goes to the graveyard but every time somebody uses a spell that spell fires out of this cannon like Hmm. wherever it's pointed so all the magic like in the world like somebody Somewhere in the universe, cast magic missile. There's magic missiles firing out of this thing. Somebody used a lightning <laughs> bolt somewhere. There's a lightning bolt hitting, and he just points it at some place he doesn't like, and then all the magic that is used in the world gets doubled and shot at this place. That sounds like a chaos cannon to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, good lightning bolt. Oh, that just healed them. Oh, rabbits are coming out. <laughs> it would be insane. It sounds amazing. <laughs> That's like. That's like a mad wizard or a mad scientist creates that thing and can't control it because it would just be spewing forth things every five seconds like (laughs) crazy. A true agent of chaos. Anyway, John, what is your second enchantment plot? All right. So my second enchantment I picked is called Infinite Reflection. And it's actually an enchantment aura. So in magic, uh, the way this works is you would enchant a creature... And everything on the battlefield becomes a copy of this creature. And anything that enters the battlefield also becomes a copy of this creature. So I was thinking, I don't know about an idea for an entire campaign, but at least for going into a dungeon. What if you and all your friends walk into a dungeon and it's full of all these, any kind of monsters. You don't know what, like, it's a normal dungeon. And somehow it picks one person in your party. And everyone else in your party now looks and sounds exactly like them. Every monster in the dungeon now looks and sounds exactly like that party member. And everyone that comes in after them now looks and sounds exactly like that party member. And what if, like, before the spell goes off, it, like, teleports you all to, like, just a random spot in the room? Like, or in the dungeon? So now you don't even, like, you can't even tell who's who? Until you talk to them and figure it out. I feel like there there would need to be, because metagaming, I feel like, would be, like, the worst enemy of making this into a brilliant, brilliant, like, dun- evil dungeon crawl. You would need to, like, basically, like, I think as, for me as a DM, I would keep on pulling the player aside and being like, all right, here's what the bad guy who's not you says, and then you can say whatever you want, but you need to role play both of them. So, <laughs> so like literally the players are trying to figure out, oh no, which one, like, at least I know that I am me, even though I look like him, like, but now I need to figure out which other one is him. It would be great for almost like an online 
campaign because then you don't even see like the person reaching their hand to move the mini like all of them move on their own and you could definitely use that as an element of uh, who's moving what we don't know whose turn it is you know making initiative super random and maybe having like the dm do private messages to tell people when to go so when you're sitting there you just know it's not your turn you don't know whose turn it really is um and you just see pieces moving and then things happen it might be a lot of awkward silence on video chat while people are like <laughs> typing furiously at each other. Oh, and this whole like shuffle the cards, I imagine like creatures and monsters in the dungeon still behave like creatures and monsters. So you have to have, you know, Greg across from you at the table role play a dog or a, something like that, but still have his own face and things like that. <laughs> and imagining like what a human with the brain of a dog would behave like and things like that would be. Hilarious. I was also thinking, what if this what if this is a curse? So like somebody is cursed mm-hmm. so that their whole life as they walk around, everyone that gets within a certain distance of them just looks like them now and talks like them. So it could just be like it could be a a player that gets cursed and now every time he goes into a city, everyone just looks like him, so he never gets to see anything besides himself. And everybody, everybody in the town is like, what the heck is going on? They still see themselves as normal and like the whole world is normal. It's just this guy is going insane and only sees <laughs> mirrors of himself and everything. There's a rat that scampers across the street. But it, to him, it looks like his full size self sprinting across the road and then somehow shrinking into a hole and going. He sees like that ants be, and spiders. That would be the worst. Yeah, that would yeah. be the worst when you see like ants, spiders, rats. Or when you come across like a lion devouring a zebra, like yeah. that's just messed <laughs> up. And anyway, oh we need to move on. So uh, my next enchantment plot is Future Sight. So this is a crazy looking card. It is this image of a tree in the water with a small bud of a tree growing, and up above the tree is a baby in the womb and on either side of the tree is a skull. So it's kind of like this past future, like sight kind of thing. And so this is something, honestly, I'd like to do a whole episode on sometime in the future, but I would love to basing off the art in this picture of for future sight, have a campaign where at least one, if not all of the, PCs all together see visions of the future of the campaign. Now, I think that this is something that is tricky. Um, You need to be able to do it in the right way. We've talked about it before, but personally, I'm a linear storyteller, linear and loose, uh, but I like to tell stories where I kind of have an idea of where they're going to go. And so you need to be careful when you do give these prophetic views uh, that to PCs that you're not setting in stone something that's saying to them, you have no control over this, you can't change this. I think a better option would be to say, you are seeing a prophetic vision of a potential future. Perhaps even yeah. that can change from the choices that the players make. They start to see these visions change because of the things they make. Or maybe even they see multiple visions of multiple futures you could almost have like a vision at the beginning of every session and you prophesy what you envision the end of the session might look like 
And then hmm. uh, it could be in every prophetic vision, they see everyone die. And the whole campaign is actively preventing the party from dying. Oh, gosh. That just reminds me of... Um Desmond from Lost, yeah, uh, season three, I believe, when he kept on seeing. Uh, well, I won't talk about it. It's a spoiler for a really old show at this point, but it's great. It's like a decade ago. Spoil yes. away. Yeah, either like it'd be a positive version of oh, what's the the movie, the horror movie, Final Destination, mm, where they yes. all dodge death, but death keeps coming for them, kind yep. of thing. And that could be the whole campaign is. You dodge death every session. You can't cheat death unless you can see death coming. Yeah. (laughs) And you can cheat death. It's just going to take a lot of work every single time. (laughs) Yeah. So so you could even do that. And then if somebody dies, (laughs) someone new shows up and has the same vision. And and then the party has this luxury of being like, hey, welcome to the crew. We're the death dodgers. And then... Terrible D and D sports team name. Yep. <laughs> anyway, with that, we can't wow. top Death Dodgers. Wow, way to dodge that death. <laughs> you like can join our ball. team. <laughs> anyway, uh, with that, uh, Mark, what is your last enchantment plot? All right, my my last one. This one is the first one I found, and it inspired me in like eight different directions. So I figured I should save it for last. It is called Detention Sphere. It's an enchantment that exiles a permanent for the duration of that card existing. So the cool thing about this is actually this artwork. It has like a, a silhouette of a person trapped inside a ball. And you can even see like that almost looks like a projection out of a smaller ball. So I imagine like this prison that's full of just like illuminated bowling balls that each inside oh of each one gosh. is a person that's trapped inside and their prison sentence isn't that they lose time like it's not like our prison system where you you're stuck in a box for however long and when you come out the world's moved on but also you have aged but you miss out on all the time but you stay the same age so imagine these sentences of like 18 generations and when you come out of this ball you're uh you're everyone you've ever loved and ever known is dead and everything you've ever cared about is entirely different. But then on top of that, you could have almost have like a, a plot hook of the beginning of a campaign. Some guy recruits you to do like a heist style thing where you go and steal this ball from a place. You don't know what's in it. You just have to steal it. You get, and then you come back and you give it to the guy and he opens the sphere and there's your big bad who's like, thank you. Your reward is getting to witness me take over the world and bring about the apocalypse once more. And then you have this huge campaign of having to fight this guy that you spent your first however many sessions freeing. I like the idea that they don't age, but I also like the idea that they're not in like a a suspended state that they literally they feel yeah. the passage of time. I like to think of it as in the hyperbolic chamber from Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> that it's like this extra dimensional space that they don't age in it. And it's, it's like, they will come out of it. They will come out of it the same age. Time passes, centuries pass, thousands of years pass, millennium pass, but they stay the same age, but they felt all of that. So do they come out changed or do they come out what I think most people would come out completely insane? Yeah. Or, you know, with that hint of insanity, but ready to take revenge on those who put them in that place. And I would say, why do they come out? Like, this this prison just eventually, like, the empire that's 
controlling this prison goes into decay and the prison is forgotten. And eventually like something disastrous comes that breaks all of these globes open and freeze all. Yeah. You could even have it as the plot hook at the start of a campaign. Your entire party has been trapped in these balls. Oh, that's great. And then the, the evil wizard is defeated by whomever. And then all of a sudden you're like popped out of the sphere thousands of years in the future and you're like, well, what do we do now? And the only thing that ties you together is that you all popped out of these spheres in the same room. So clearly, we at least hated the same guy for a while. <laughs> all right, John, give us your last enchantment plot. All right. So the last enchantment I picked is called Hedron Alignment. And it's this card, if you look it up, it looks kind of like a cross between a pylon from like StarCraft and the cube from Transformers. Yes. <laughs> and the way this works is uh in magic it's like this weird win the game by just this card kind of thing where if you get one of these hedrons in every area of magic like you get one on the battlefield one's exiled one's in the graveyard and one's in your hand then you just win the game so i took this as like if you could get one of these hedrons in all the planes of your world and like a lot like align them make them sync up or whatever either you are now in control of everything in existence in all these planes or like it's a system that lets you travel easily to all these planes like you had to go through all these gates and do all these adventures to get all these things and now you can just travel there no problem or uh i'm sure everybody's seen it by now the movie hercules by disney where like the planets align and they open up this gate for like the titans to come through Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't, you should go Hercules. watch it, because yep. then you will be transforming yourself from a zero to a hero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I it put could the be, glad in Gladiator. <laughs> it could be anything, tra- like some crazy monsters, a god that's trapped in like some crazy portal, and you have to align these hedrons to like free them. I, I feel like it's so open. Like You could have any kind of miracle happen after you align these, but you literally have to go through... And set one up in every plane. And the thing about these hedrons is they're hexproof, so magic doesn't work on them. So you wouldn't be able to teleport them or make them bigger or smaller or do anything easy to them. You'd have to, like, carry them through a portal or something into every different plane (laughs) to set them up. Let's take this hedron and and push it it (laughs) somewhere else. No, I love that. I love that idea. But I also would put a twist in that. Uh, I would have there be NPCs that are going after this. And there is like a prophecy about having the Hedrons and opening up the universe to you or something like that. I can't come up with it right off the top of my head, but I'm telling you, there is a way to write a prophecy about these Hedrons that basically makes it sound like you open up a whole world of power to you. But what it's really telling you is that if you, like you said, John, place these hedrons all together, what it actually does is it completely destroys the multiverse. (laughs) So your PCs might know the truth about this prophecy, and your PCs have to find these other people who are trying to gain these things to become gods of the multiverse and stop them before they completely destroy the multiverse. Talk about big scheme campaigns. (laughs) Yeah, you crazy hedron truthers. Anyway, (laughs) my last enchantment plot 
is Wreath of Geists. And so this is an image of kind of like a Van Helsing kind of uh, warrior. And he is completely surrounded by a wreath of, of spirits. They are protecting him. And so I thought it would be an awesome idea for a campaign to have a ghost hunting campaign where you, all of the PCs, their job is to find haunted places and rid them of the spirits that are haunting them. Now, part of this will be going to haunted places and driving out the spirits by violence, by using force. But there are going to be some spirits that they are not violent, they have unfinished business, and so it is also your job to help them with that. And so in those instances, perhaps some ways that some of the spirits can finish their unfinished business is by becoming allies of you, the ghost hunters. And so I thought that would be a really cool idea for a campaign. You're just like getting ghost allies all the time, like Paper Mario-esque, like, oh, I got this little buddy that I found and helped him. Yes. <laughs> I really like the idea of like ghost hunting, and sometimes it's sometimes you have to get the evil spirits out. Sometimes you have to bring peace to the good spirits. And sometimes there's spirits that just are trapped on this plane, and there's no getting out, so you might as well make a good deal where it's kind of mutually beneficial. And there might be some nights where all you do is role play and have conversations with a good spirit and you figure out how to, you know, you just got to give 10 gold to Susie, the spirit's <laughs> granddaughter, so he can feel peace. And other times, you know, you got to fight this crazy evil thing. And then other times you have to just figure out how to strike a deal that everybody feels like they win at the end of it. And then maybe that gives you a cool power, a cool unlock thing that someone with a lot more time and energy can homebrew a whole system for where you can like use different ghosts for different abilities and much like a wreath of geists or you can even have it simple like oh for the rest of tonight's session you have a bunch of geists that swirl around you and take damage for you you get resistance to all of the things are you playing ghost pokemon yes basically (laughs) (laughs) anyway we hope that you have enjoyed this episode on taking enchantment cards and making campaign and adventure plots out of them hashtag magic mark thanks again for joining us for another bringing the magic of magic into D session yeah thanks for having me john if our listeners would like to write into us maybe they have a favorite magic the gathering enchantment card that they have a great idea of how to turn into a plot where can they reach us at you can reach us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com again that's dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com And uh, if you liked what you hear, you should give us a five-star review on iTunes, and uh, we'll give you a shout-out like we did at the beginning of this episode. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places are great places to go for updates about the show. We have a Patreon member shout-out of the week, and this week's Patreon member shout-out goes to... Alexandru Batuza! Thank you so much, Alexandru. We really appreciate it. Alexandru is a silver dragon, so he has access to all of our bonus podcasts that we have on our Patreon page, as well as being able to join in to the Patreon Dragon Only Forum. Thank you so much, Alexandru. Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. You should check out our other shows like the GM Showcase, Geek Wars, We're So Bad at Adventuring, and more. And that wraps it up for this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, 
the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. Excelsior! Keep on dungeon mastering. Goodbye.